You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment. Hello, this is Kiki. Welcome to the Metal and High Heels podcast. Today, Pia will tell us everything about her trip to Tokyo. Yes, I was there from the 8th until the 17th of August. And people who follow me on Instagram at power underscore Pia have already seen some pictures that I posted there every day with tons of impressions. But first of all, we have a special announcement. Yes, we are giving away tickets for the upcoming And Then She Came tour through Germany. It starts on the 21st of September in Aachen and goes through Dortmund, where I'll be going, Mannheim, Augsburg, Ludwigsburg, Siegburg, Nürnberg and Trier. So if anybody is uh, lives around here or is willing to come uh, to one of these shows, check out our Facebook page for some free and then she came um, tickets. And if you want to meet Kiki too, then you should go to Dortmund, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That would be super fun. Hey. Um, yeah. Tokyo. I've been there with my best friend Kati. And we only stayed in Tokyo because we only had so little time. So um, it uh, were more or less exactly nine days. Um, of course, we our trip was longer because you need one day to go there and one day to go back. That was what I was going to say, because I saw on your Instagram story that you were a lot in airports. <laughs> yes. How many airports? <laughs> How many flights? Um, two flights and three airports. But we had four hours in Doha, in Qatar, um, the way to Tokyo and the way back also. And um, the way to Tokyo, it wasn't planned. The flight had a delay. Happily, only two-hour delay. But anyway, we had to spend a lot of time at Doha Airport. So I know that one pretty well now. <laughs> so I thought I should um, just put some some fun stuff in my Instagram story <laughs> from the airport because you can um, you can go by train from one terminal to the other when you're in Doha wow it's the really really big airport <laughs> which was the one with the many statues that was Doha okay and the statues were scary <laughs> yeah some of them it looked like it yes There was a big beer, and in this beer there was a lamp. Okay. I didn't get the reason behind that. I'm not that good in when it comes to arts like statues and so on. <laughs> yeah, um, but in Tokyo, of course, we also saw a lot of things. Uh, we visited a lot of neighborhoods, which is like visiting several cities because every neighborhood is so different from the other one. Mm-hmm. And we met Inga, the vocals from The Number Zero and Ex-Salty Dog. Um, and because of what she told me, I now have to overthink and recalibrate my feelings for Japan. And I'm not done with that yet. But um, let's start with the happy tourist stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Tokyo as a tourist is really an awesome city which I recommend visiting at least once in your life because you can see so many interesting, funny, weird things there and you can do so many things that you, I think, can't do anywhere else, at least not all of them in one city. But the first thing that, um, that I experienced was that the people are bigger than I expected. Taller? Yeah, okay. taller. Um, and they are less weird than I expected. It's more or less. <laughs> uh, I thought I'd come there and everybody would run around as a cosplayer or something. But it's like in Germany, there are some people who look a bit different from the others, but it's more or less all the same. Okay. And they don't hype Europeans. Maybe not anymore. I don't know. But there was no one who wanted to take a picture with me or something. Okay. So um, I don't know if that was um, a thing when there wasn't internet or something that 
people in Japan freaked out when they saw someone from Europe, but nowadays it's not the case anymore. All right. Yeah, but every neighborhood has kind of its own motto. Mm -hmm. We stayed in Ikebukuro, which is uh, where the sun Sunshine City is based. And that's a couple of buildings with shopping centers, interactive museums, and also a Pokemon center. Wow. So you were happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> the, Pokemon, the Pokemon center was full. It was crowded. <laughs> wow. Every day there were so many people. And I was there when there was a community day. So a special Pokemon was hyped on one day. And um, there it was impossible to buy something because I would have had to wait 30 minutes at least oh, damn. Um, to pay what I wanted to buy. <laughs> so we left that place and came back another day when there were not so many people there. Mm -hmm. Could you play uh, Pokemon Go there? Yep. And was it different? Um, not really. There is one Pokemon that you can't catch in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't play that much because I wanted to see the city and I can play Pokemon Go everywhere. That's true. And it's it's not so easy with the, with the internet because I can use my mobile pass all over Europe, but not in Japan. So I had to buy day passes, which was not that expensive. Um, it was three euros a day. Mm -hmm. But I had only 50 MB, yeah, I think. Wow. That's yeah. not a lot. Um, that's not a lot. <laughs> but you have Wi-Fi at many places. But um, I also didn't want to spend so much money on buying these um, mobile passes all the time. Mm -hmm. And As I said, I didn't go to Tokyo to play Pokemon Go. <laughs> I went there to see the city. And so I didn't play that much. Cool, cool. The first thing we did was visiting the um, the Emperor's Palace. Mm -hmm. That's the name. <laughs> And we visited the Tokyo Sky Tree, which is one of the biggest towers. And we had a really cool overview over the city at our first day there. So that was amazing. But um, at that point, we didn't know that there are so many other towers that you can um, that you can just go for free yeah. to the top, and then uh, <laughs> also have a nice view over the over the city. We found that out before we visited Tokyo Tower, so we didn't. Um, take the way up to Tokyo Tower. We just looked at it from, from mm -hmm. the bottom. But we went to the town hall and you can go up for free. Cool. And we did that in the evening. So we also had a view above Tokyo by night, which was really cool. And we also saw a typical fireworks mm -hmm. where all the people went in traditional clothes. Wow. That was really cool. And they combined that with a drum concert with the traditional Japanese mm -hmm. drums. So we also had some culture stuff. <laughs> yeah, cool. That only sightseeing. We also did karaoke several times. <laughs> What did you sing? Um, a lot of songs from the 90s. We sang a Backstreet Boys medley. Yeah. From the early 2000s, we sang the Eight Mile song by Eminem. No, oh, nice. We had an ABBA medley and, I don't know, also some other funny um, songs from our youth. <laughs> But karaoke is different from, um, from what we know in Europe because you have a separé, you have a room on your own mm -hmm. so that... You can sing all the time. You don't have to wait until it's your turn. Mm -hmm. And there is more or less nobody hearing you. Um, you are alone in that room or together a with up to six people. Mm -hmm. But the um, you can hear the people from the rooms next to you. <laughs> oh, okay. But I think that is because the Japanese people sing very loudly <laughs> when they sing karaoke. <laughs> Um, and I think they do that a lot because it was there were always a lot of people. 
Um, and th the same with game centers. We also went to a couple of game centers and you have a lot of arcade games, but also more modern games. And um, then also games that I only know from uh, when we have special feasts here. So that was, um, that was also cool. And I think because the Japanese people don't have so many, or the Tokyo people don't have mm -hmm. so much space at home. The flats are not that big. So, of course, they spend a lot of time outside of the home, yeah. on the streets. Yeah. <clears throat> And we went to Disney SeaWorld. Wow. I'm not sure if it's unique all over the world. There is also a Disney Sea something in California, but I think that um, the thing in California is they do more shows with animals and stuff like that. That's what my father told me. Mm -hmm. And the Disney SeaWorld in Tokyo is like Heide Park in Germany. So mm -hmm. um, kind of that things where you always go with your husband when you have an anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amusement parks with roller coasters and stuff like that. Yeah. We went to one roller coaster around afternoon and we had to wait two hours until we could take the ride. And so when we came out of this roller coaster it was dark already but that was cool because we flew through the through the sky mm -hmm. <laughs> only for a couple of moments and we saw the disney sea by night from above cool all of a sudden <laughs> we were under the gone away sun <laughs> under the sky oh amazing uh, tokyo has a lot of aquariums We've been to two of them, and they seem to love penguin and jellyfish. Ooh, jellyfish, blah. <laughs> yeah. But they were beautiful, and they were arranged really beautiful with lights and a tunnel and everything. Yeah, I guess they can be interesting if you're not swimming among them. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and there was an upside-down jellyfish that looked really funny. Wow. <laughs> and there are temples and shrines everywhere, You can walk a really crowded street and then out of a sudden to your right or to your left, there is a shrine oh. <laughs> and you can just go there and pray or whatever you do at shrines. So you can have, uh, you can stay at a quiet place for a couple of mm -hmm. minutes. I went to the Hikawa shrine that is known from Sailor Moon. It's not the original Hikawa shrine, I think, but. I just had to visit a Hikawa shrine in of Tokyo. Course. Wow. Yeah, so I was very happy that I have some pictures now from me in the Hikawa shrine. Did you pose as Sailor Moon to take a picture? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> Or you at least dressed as a, a Sailor Moon. I could have done that because I could have bought a, a costume, but I'm it wouldn't have looked good on me because I'm too big for More or less all the clothes in Japan. <laughs> no, I can imagine. So shopping wasn't an option for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one day we went to Harajuku. That's the place Sophia recommended in our pre pre previous podcast episode, I think in episode 29. Yeah. And that's the so-called kawaii neighborhood with all the cute stuff and where the youth culture, uh, youth culture takes place yeah. there were a lot of small shops and they sold a lot of weird things so that's also kind of the japan that um we see in tv mm -hmm. but i think the the really modern tokyo that is typical for us is in shinjuku of course we also went there there is this advertisement all over the buildings <laughs> Yeah, a lot of lights okay. and everything. Oh, so like Times Square. And we Square. also... Hmm? Kind of like Times Square with the billboards and the lights. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. So there was the lights and everything everywhere. And we went to the VR zone, which is a big hall where you can play a lot of VR mm -hmm. games. And we played Mario Kart. Cool. And you 
don't just have this VR glasses on. You also sit in a real car and you have uh, you have mm -hmm. globes that also react to your movements mm -hmm. and everything. So that was a really, really cool experience. And mm -hmm. I hope that we will have something like this in Europe soon. Yeah, cool. Here in Dortmund, there's a new um, business, uh, a little mm -hmm. place they opened up. Uh, I don't know if it's open already, but it will open soon. It's an escape game in VR. Mm. Yeah, I heard about that. I think they have something like that in Berlin too. Cool. So, you know, the next time you visit me, we can go there. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> I only know some tower tech, uh, some businesses that offer tower tech and stuff like that, but that's not so cool. Like, for example, Mario Kart mm -hmm. or let's see how the escape game is. Yeah. Then we also went to Akihabara where you can buy all the Technic stuff and anime stuff, DVDs, everything. Wow. I saw a Japanese keyboard there. <laughs> That looks really mm -hmm. funny. And we also went to a mate cafe there. What's that? So that's a cafe where the the waitresses are dressed like the maids who served the, I don't know, the kings mm -hmm. or the emperors in former times. And they also call you princess or master or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> And they also, um, you, if you buy a really special menu, then they do a dancing mm -hmm. show. <laughs> And somebody did that when we were there. So we also saw a show. Ooh. That sounds a little bit like a fetish thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, when you come there, one of the first things they tell you is that you're not allowed to touch them. Okay. So the, it's it's just a cute thing, <laughs> but a lot of men were there. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> We also went to Shibuya. Um, there is this very famous Shibuya crossing, but I um, was a bit disappointed because it wasn't that big. Um, it was smaller than I expected. Mm -hmm. But we've, we had a good place in the Starbucks cafe Uh, on that crossing and so we had a perfect view cool. i also made a video that is one minute long or even a bit longer and um that shows when people start moving and cross the street from everywhere and then after a minute the cars are driving mm -hmm. <laughs> on that place where all the people have been before cool. so at the at the video it looks really cool but when you when you're there and see that for real it's not that amazing i have to admit all right and we also saw the dog um, there is a statue of a dog and i think they made a movie out of it this dog was waiting at this place every day um for his for his human oh, yeah. <laughs> how's that called for his owner yes the name has a, the dog has a name right Yeah, but I don't know the name of the dog. Me neither, but I... For me, it's just the Shibuya dog. Yeah, 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 okay. And so we also um, visited that statue of the dog. <laughs> And there were so many people who wanted to do a selfie I can imagine, with the dog. Of course. It's a legend. Yes. <laughs> um, and another day we went to Odaiba. That's at the harbor. Mm -hmm. There is a really big building from Fuji TV. And when we went there, there was... A big feast mm -hmm. um, at a normal weekday there were so many people and I think there were some idols on stage I don't know that was a bit weird because we also were not able to find out what was going mm -hmm. on there <laughs> um, at most places in Tokyo the information is also mm -hmm. written in English but at Odaiba I didn't see that so often so maybe that is too far away from the center of Tokyo. Okay. I don't know, but they didn't have that much information. And not so many Japanese people were able to speak English. Oh, wow. And I, um, when I started to talk to them in Japanese, they thought that I can speak Japanese fluently. <laughs> and they started to talk to me in Japanese. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand a word. <laughs> <laughs> But it helped least. to 
to read menus and everything. So my Japanese classes helped at least a bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Were you able to, I don't know, order food, um, say hello, say thank you? Yeah. Oh, perfect. I did that all the time. And I also um, had a small conversation with one of the mates in the cafe. Cool. Mm, in Odaiba, there is also the giant sky wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we again saw <laughs> Tokyo from above. There is also um, a Statue of Liberty. Um, they rebuilt it. Um, so it's a copy from the original. Oh, wow. The Tokyo Tower, by the way, also is not really a copy, but they try to uh, to create it um, like the Paris... Um, the Eiffel Turm in Paris. Wow. And what is special about Odaiba is that you can also walk there. It's a it's a kind of island, but it's um, there is a bridge, the Rainbow mm -hmm. Bridge. And if you want to walk about an hour when it is 35 degrees oh. hot, <laughs> then you can do that, but we didn't want and to do I that. I can't understand why. <laughs> so it was very hot all the time one day I looked at my mobile phone to check mm -hmm. how hot it was and it said okay uh, you have 35 degrees but it feels like 43 degrees wow that is a lot yeah and the last place we went to was Narita that's where the where one of the airports is so we went there before we we flew back mm -hmm. to Germany And in Narita, that's a really cute town. So um, if you go to Narita Airport, then take two hours and also visit Narita. I can totally recommend it. They have a really, really huge temple. So you have also big temples in Tokyo, in the city. But there wasn't a temple that was that big. At least I didn't see one. <laughs> so that was really, really impressive. Okay. Yeah. I think that was Tokyo in a nutshell. That's <laughs> the highlights. Now you have to impress us, though. Now you have to. Um, how do you order a beer in Japanese? <laughs> uh, beer in Japanese is biru. Mm -hmm. So how would you order a beer in Japan? Um, the One beer, please. <laughs> I can't do that because counting in Japanese is so difficult. We have different words when you count drinks, when you count food, when you count books, when you count um, sheets of paper, there What? are different count words for all of them. <laughs> Damn. For people, for machines. So I don't know what... Uh, one would be itchy. And if I would say itchy biru, <laughs> kudasai, mm -hmm. then they would probably bring me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, now you know everyone. You learned something on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But you didn't learn how to order a beer. You can just um, point on on the exactly. word for beer or something like that. So I really recommend learning katakana. They have three different types of um, how they write words. And one of them is katakana and they use that for foreign words. So if you are able to read that, uh, most of the words are just English in the Japanese sign system. So if you can read them, then you automatically know which word they mean. Ah. And they are not so difficult to learn. And it helps a lot, really. Cool. Yeah, well... Um I mean, our podcast is a little bit informative, so it it shouldn't be the first time the listeners learned something, you guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you learned a lot in our podcast about law. Music and law, yes. And if you want to keep uh, learning stuff with us, don't don't forget. Don't forget to subscribe to our uh, podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, Spotify even. And... Um, While you're there, you can uh, write us a review. That would be pretty cool. Or just recommend us to your friends. Yeah. Is it possible to write a review on Spotify? I don't think so. 
but iTunes and Stitcher and Deezer and all of those, I think, are, are good for reviews. And the reviews are a cool way to help people who might uh, coincidentally find, stumble upon our podcast uh, and wonder what it's about. If you wrote, uh, these chicks just talk about uh, metal and other stuff for hours, uh, that might help them already. <laughs> it would be nicer, of course. <laughs> or just hit the five star and uh, don't write anything at all. But reviews are very helpful for us. So uh, thanks for listening and thanks for the support. I know one subscriber who lives in Japan. <laughs> and that is Inga from The Number Zero. She told me that she's listening to our podcast. But she's some episodes behind. So if we give her a shout out now, <laughs> it could take a couple of months until she hears it and can respond to it. But anyway, <laughs> shout out to her. Yeah. Whenever you listen to your shout out, Inga, don't forget to uh, tweet at us at Metal High Heels and uh, yeah, tell us that you listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was also one of the highlights when I was there. And um, as I already told, I met Inga from the number zero. And um, Inga is a Norwegian who lives in Tokyo for about nine years. She told me that it's very difficult to get a visa. Oh, wow. So um, when you go to Japan, you can get a visa for studying, but you will only get a visa for one year. Mm -hmm. And then you have to apply again, and then you get one for three years, and then you can apply again and would get one for five years. So there were times when she didn't have a visa, so she had to go back to Norway, but um, then she again moved to Tokyo very fast and she also told me that when you get married in Japan mm -hmm. or with a Japanese guy or girl um, then you then you also only get a visa for one year mm -hmm. and then you have to apply again <laughs> get one for three years and then you have to apply again and get one for five years and I don't want to say something wrong I don't remember correctly maybe um, I think after that it's 10 years and then you have to apply every 10 years. But if you want to know that from a validated uh, source, then you should look it up somewhere because I don't know if I remember that correctly. But I found that pretty weird because, I mean, when they check if you are still married with a person after, I don't know, 10 years, then it should be enough. I mean, they just could get divorced and then you will know that because they would have to get divorced by law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you can um, decide if you want to throw that person out of your country or not. So I found that really weird and really strict. Yes. Um, yeah, well, because uh, uh, comparing it to the German system... Um, When you get a, a, visa, a visa for studying, you get the visa for the whole, yeah, I think for the whole length of your studium, of your, of your, uh, of your studies. Mm -hmm. So, which is three years most, most of, the of the time. Exactly. When I came to, to Germany and started my bachelor's degree, uh, that was three years. So they gave me a visa for the whole three years. And after I had to reapply, mm -hmm. um, And the marriage thing is kind of alike, though, because you get it for the first year and they check up on you uh, the first three years, like every year, because they want to know that you are really married and not only for the visa. And the yep. other parallel that I could uh, that I could take from that was also when you've been living in Germany for eight years, you can apply for the... Uh, nationality for the passport for permanent the citizenship huh. so mm. um that's what i did and um yeah so it's not like every 10 years and every 10 years because those things are like very annoying you know like going there every i don't know one two three years and having to show that you have all your your paperwork in order and, and those immigration visits are mm. hell so the more you get, the longer you can have a visa, the better. <laughs> uh, so the other people who are in the band in the number zero um, are from Japan. So she's the only mm -hmm. foreigner in the band. And they do, um, they mix electronics with heavy guitars. And um, 
I would say Inge has a very mm -hmm. unique voice. You can also um, already watch a music video for their song Web of Truth. And she told me that the album might come out in October. And she also told me how it might sound like. Ooh. I would say more of the same, but it's actually a lot of different things. <laughs> but it will be same type of I guess kind of heavy guitars with mm -hmm. uh, some more electronic some more like kind of raw acoustic that's not it's not acoustic but you know some more down-to-earth type of mm -hmm. <laughs> sounds another thing that she told me before because uh, we went for dinner we met in the evening or in the afternoon and so we decided to just eat something and then do the interview Perfect. Um, and during that dinner, she told me that the band thing is very well organized in Japan. Um, you don't have a, a normal practice room. You can practice in a studio. So you are also able to, um, to record songs very fast. Yeah, wow. And I think that's the reason why many bands from Japan release singles and EPs with only four songs or something. So that's very common there. And um, the fees are not too high. And there are more, uh, there are a lot of places where you can book a room like that, that you, of course, share with other bands, but still, um, we have a, you can just record mm -hmm. stuff easily. And also with the concerts. Um, they have a special system. They um, they go to the club where they want to play, and they say, "I want to play a concert," and then um, you pay a bit money that you can play there. But uh, you also get the the money people pay at the entrance. Mm -hmm. So um, when there are five bands playing for every one of them for 30 minutes, then they split the money that they get and then they pay the guy who owns the club so that they, of course, get at least a little money mm -hmm. out of it. Um, and uh, the club owner earns most of the money with the drinks and if he sells food, then also with the food. Cool. So for bands that are mm -hmm. just starting, like the number zero now, um, that's really cool because you can make fans very fast yeah and also you don't have to pay to play or at least not as much as everywhere else in the world <laughs> yeah i think it's totally okay to say as a club owner yeah i need some money because you use my equipment mm -hmm. or whatever um if you organize it yourself it's not okay if another band says you have to pay money so that you can be my opener or something i don't mm -hmm. think that that is okay um, but if you get some money out of it after that evening, then I don't have a problem with that. Then it's really cool um, that you can show your music. Yeah, it's an investment also. Yeah. And I think that's why there are so many also small bands in Japan that release music and that have mm -hmm. a fan base. So that's really cool. So if you want to start a band and um, don't have a problem with leaving everything behind, then you Ooh. should go to Tokyo. <laughs> start a band <laughs> um, yeah, and what Inga also told me is that she was listening to punk rock when she was younger and she didn't listen to it because of the music but because of the lyrics Yeah. so she cares a lot about the lyrics that she is singing um, and that's also something that I found very interesting because um, you know that when you meet your idol um, then most of the time you are disappointed because the person is not mm -hmm. like you expected um, but if you just um, I didn't know her so well before we met there so I didn't have so many expectations and um, that was a very very positive surprise because uh, She said that she really cares a lot about what she is singing and I like people who think about what they yeah, say and what they think. <laughs> so if there is a meaning in the music and also the lyrics. And that was totally the case. Cool. So that was um, 
it was really nice to uh, get to know her better and uh, to talk to her for I don't know how long uh, the time was that we spent together, but it was, Very I don't know, nice. two or three hours. So we had uh, some time to get to know each other better, and that was really cool. There's a few themes in the song, but the kind of overlying theme in the song is about uh, a person who is not able to lie, mm -hmm. and the good sides and the bad sides of always having to tell the truth mm -hmm. because in a way for me it's I'm a pretty bad liar <laughs> I don't like lying but I have had to lie a lot because you know people always tell me oh you have to try to be cool stuff like that which is very hard for me uh, but then also sometimes I have told the truth when I shouldn't have <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's uh, like government is a very hard situation <laughs> so it's kind of about like the juxtaposition of not being able to lie and sometimes you're happy that you have that and sometimes you wish you could <laughs> yeah um, yes in the number zero until now she only sings in English uh, but they recorded I think three th three songs I asked her that in the interview that we did which we did in a karaoke bar <laughs> because there was no other place <laughs> possible where we could do that oh, um, the music in the background <laughs> yes <laughs> and some people singing <laughs> um, who are not good singers so that's very funny when you watch the interview which should be online when this podcast is released so go to our YouTube and watch the interview if you are interested um, and there she told me that she would like to sing in Japanese uh, she also did that in her previous band in Salty Dog um, yeah but there is a reason why she doesn't do it yet but we can but there is hope that she will do it um, you also sang Japanese in Salty Dog uh, will you do it in the number zero too I do want to Uh, because I think Japanese is very, it's a very nice language mm -hmm. because it's so so many vowels, <laughs> it's very lyrical. Uh, but I also don't feel like I'm good enough at Japanese to like write poetry. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm thinking at some point I will ask my band like say like this is kind of what I want to say. Uh, can you help me like make a nice lyric out of it? The point where she says that she can give the lyrics to her bandmates um, and they will work on it for her um, that is a thing that is very important for her and um, I think that's also kind of new because she also said before she started with the number zero she didn't write that much music on her own and now um, she's practicing that and um, can work on it with her bandmates Yeah, let's just continue with the next part of the interview because she can explain it better than I do. I get to finally start to try and make music for myself even though I don't feel like I'm good enough yet. But mm -hmm. I try to make melodies and I send it to people and then they can tell me if it's bad or if it's good or if they want to change it. And uh, I get to decide everything that I want to write about. If, if I want something, On the other hand, I can like ask them like, what's something that you wanna mm -hmm. wanna make a song about or something. Do you think that you're typical metalheads? Ooh, that's a good question. I I don't know if you can say there is a typical Japanese metalhead. There might be one, but the scene is uh, kind of split up into three, or I would say into three different groups. There is the visual case scene um, that is a bit out of the the world of the other two <laughs> groups because they care a lot about how the people look. Mm -hmm. They don't care that much about the music. Yeah. Um, and there is one group that listens mostly to the the classic metal. And um, to a lot of bands from Europe. And then there is the scene where I would say the number zero belongs to and also Salty Dog. Um, they call themselves or they are called the loud scene. 
Um, and they, for, for Japan, they, I would say, yes, they are metalheads, but the kind of music is a bit different from what we would call metal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she also explained that to me. Um, could you please explain for our audience what the metal scene in Japan is about? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the metal scene? Um, or the, the many scenes. Yes. You said there is a visual K scene. There is the visual K scene, which is quite uh, quite separate from the like loud scene, which is basically what we're doing with Salty Dog. Uh, although they tried to merge it at some point, but we also talked about it didn't work out because the fan fan culture is so different. Um, there's also like the the metal head scene, like the people who like uh, kind of old school foreign metal a lot. Uh, I would say it's quite different. Uh, I don't know that scene that well, so I'm not gonna talk about it too much, but <laughs> yeah, um, like the, the people that I mostly know is the loud scene, which are the people who are very like open to, they're not, that concerned about genre, they you know they want to bang your heads and they want to like mosh and <laughs> do all kind of fun stuff. Uh, and yeah, they're not very strict about like oh this isn't heavy metal enough or this isn't this enough or like oh we hate pop because we like metal or anything. Like mm -hmm. people are very fluid, which is both you know good and frustrating <laughs> at times. I think that's really cool and that explains why. Um, There are famous bands from Japan like um, Bloodstained Child or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas who just mix the kind of techno stuff with metal and with these pop idol elements. Um, the pop idol elements are also in baby metal or in a band called Passcode <laughs> who play metal, but the, the singers are for girls and they also look really cute and they just mix it they don't care about any musical borders or something like that and they just do that and i think that's amazing yeah totally and also that uh, it's not as divisive you know that in the end metal is metal and we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't fight about what is more metal and what is less metal it's like just enjoy mm -hmm. the fucking music <laughs> yeah and if you would say There is the true metal, which is also a genre or a subcategory of metal. But if you would say there is that metal, then you would stack in music like Iron Maiden forever, and there would also there would also be uh, only be cover bands. <laughs> so there wouldn't be something new, and I think that's boring. <laughs> exactly, you would miss out on so much. Yeah. And that's a similarity with metal and high heels because we also don't like limits, <laughs> limitations. That's true. Mm, yeah, but a thing that is very weird in Japan or that maybe comes together with that a bit. Um, in Salty Dog, Inga worked a lot with autotune. And I asked her if uh, wow. she had a problem with people saying that she isn't able to sing because we do that in Europe. If someone uses autotune a lot, then we uh, we expect that the person is not a good singer. Yeah. We judge them. Um, and she told me that in Japan it is completely normal, but it's also important that um, the music sounds like on the CD. <laughs> like in Japan, people don't think about it that way. Uh -huh. uh, a lot of people actually do playback and they don't think that it's weird. I don't like it, but in Japan it's very important that your concert sounds exactly like the CD, mm -hmm. which is really weird. I have seen that phenomenon um, here kind of as well, not as, not as extreme, I guess, but there is an expectation that uh, the live performance has to sound exactly like, the, like on the album, especially in certain genres. I think that's boring. <laughs> of course it is boring a performance should be much more there should be much more emotional mm. connection to the audience it shouldn't be perfect because it's in the moment the mistakes are like part of all of that mm. of the feeling okay. and if you have something spontaneous <laughs> then you know this only happens on this tour or only in this 
concert. So you have something unique. Um, exactly. We also talked about baby metal. And we agreed on that the singer in baby metal is a really good singer. And she doesn't sing playback. She sings live. Oh. So another thing that <laughs> speaks for baby metal. Yeah, that's um, most of the interview that I wanted to show you in this podcast. Um, if you want to know more about the number zero or about Inga, then you can also find them on Twitter. Um, her name on Twitter is HXHX Heart Vlog, I think. But if you just Google Inger, the number zero, then you should also find her. And the band is, I don't know, WWWNO and the O as a, as the, 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 not the letter, but zero the number. Zahl. <laughs> The number. The number. <laughs> Sometimes it's so The easy. number zero is the number zero. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's late in the evening. Um, <laughs> not so late, but anyway. Yeah. Um, you can just Google it and look that up. And we will also put it in the show notes that you can find at www.metal-and-highheels.com slash podcast 33. No, 32. 32. Okay, yes. 32. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the 30s. I'm also not clear anymore <laughs> which is which, but it's 32, number 32. <laughs> the podcast is older than we are now, so when it just comes to numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but as I said, there were also some things that I didn't expect in this extremity um, in Tokyo and that um, that totally shook my picture of the country and of the people in Japan. Mm -hmm. The first thing was that, um, yes, Tokyo is a very clean city. That is cool. But the people produce so much trash. And I don't understand why they do it. Because every morning when we went to the breakfast room... Um, Everything that you use the, that you used in the morning just goes to trash. The plate is from paper. The knife is a plastic knife that you throw away after you used it. Also, the spoon uh, that was also in a foil. <laughs> so you had the foil and also the spoon, and you would throw both of them away. Damn. They only had um, coffee-to-go cups. Oh. Even though you would just drink your coffee in the hotel, <laughs> there were only the to-go cups. And so many other things. Um, so everything was disposable at the hotel diner, so to speak. Yeah. And also many other things. If you buy something, you automatically get a plastic paper. Also, if you only buy, I don't know, um, a can with a drink in it, which you could carry with you easily then you also get a plastic bag with it Damn. and yeah they produce so much trash and I, I was happy that i had my keep cup with me that i was able to use in the morning to have my coffee mm -hmm. and i also had a knife a fork and a spoon and also the the sticks that you use in asia Chapsticks. most of the time for eating mm -hmm. yes um so I took them with me every morning, so it didn't produce that much trash. But we also had a salad. We were we could have salad and um, sandwich in the morning, and the salad was also packed in plastic. <laughs> so they just put everything in plastic. Damn. That is super weird and a super sad thing for a country that is so... Um, so high, so good in technology. Advanced, of course. Advanced, yeah. There were so many cars that run on electricity or were electronic hybrids. Mm -hmm. uh, so at least they don't uh, pollute the the air so air much. More, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I just don't understand why they have to produce so many trash. 
I don't know, that was super weird, especially for me, mm-hmm. because I tried to reduce my trash and it, I just got insane at some points. Of course. Another thing is how they treat pets. Only a few people can have pets because I already said they don't have a lot of space in their flats. Mm-hmm. And that's why there are a lot of pet cafes. Yeah. Um, some of them are good. We went to the Tokyo Snake Center. And when you go there, then you pay 1,000 yen. That's a bit less than 10 euros. Then you can enter, you get a drink, and you can have a snake in a box that stands on your table and you can watch the snake while you're having your drink. And um, you can also pay some extra money and then you can touch some of the snakes. But uh, (laughs) they change the snakes every day or maybe more, I don't know. But there were many, many more snakes um, than we were able to have coffee with <laughs> and they also had some snakes there was a um, a sign and it says you you can't touch this one today so they really took care of their pets okay so that they don't um don't use them too much mm-hmm. so that they can have a break but um it seemed like not every place is like this and so they I think they don't really see pets as living creatures. They are more like um, what you can give to your children. How are they called? Toys. Flushies. Toys, yes. Damn. I think they see them, or many of them see them as toys. You can also just go to a shop where you can buy the um, the stuff you need when you have an animal, um, mm-hmm. like a cat toilet and stuff like that. You can buy a lot of clothes for your pets there. And you can also buy baby dogs or baby cats in a shop like that. Yeah, there's a lot of shops like that in Ecuador as well. I don't know. Um, I don't think it should be like that. Mm -hmm. Because it's not good for the animals. And also the value um, is so downgrading for them. Yeah, it makes them a product. Yeah. Instead of being. That's true. That's it. But uh, the worst thing, and that is something that also popped up in my conversation with Inga, uh, women in Japan are not equal. Japan is very behind <laughs> on equality. Um, I think I feel like a lot of like people who kind of have a following in Japan and stuff, like women, I think they're often not vocal enough about it. Cause mm-hmm. They come here and they only want to say the nice things because that's what people want to hear. But I think it's important to tell people also, especially if you come from a Western country and you come here, uh, you will not have the same <laughs> place in society as a man will. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you will be looked at differently. And of course, you will also have some merits over men, but mostly in the ways that matter. Uh, like when you talk, people are going to take you less seriously, very obviously. Uh, People are not going to care that much about like sexual assault and that kind of things. It happens all the time in Japan, and they say they want to change it, but they don't do anything about it. Mm. So, yeah, uh, women, of course, make a lot less than men. And women who want to have babies have to quit their jobs mostly, and sometimes they can't come back, but it's very hard. Mm. So, yeah, uh, and also like both. For women and men, it's a problem, but it's normal that everybody gets married. <laughs> you need to have a family at some points, so yeah. A lot of pressure on that. A lot of pressure, yeah. And of course, like men can get married at mostly any point in their life, but women has like a expiration dates naturally. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for her, it's hard because Norway is even. Uh, even better than, for example, Germany. Uh, whole Scandinavia is very more advanced. Yeah, more advanced when it comes to women rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that Japan is in the fifties or sixties or seventies when it comes to women rights. What? And um, yeah, <laughs> and that's also so strange for a society with such a high technology. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, the reason also is the language. 
because when you're uh, only able to speak Japanese, then you are uh, trapped in this system, in the whole system. Mm -hmm. And you can't really get information from other countries. So you're not able to learn a lot about how it is in other countries. Yeah. And she also said it's common that women stop working when they get children um, and they don't really start working again or they on, they have to take care about the family for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And that's also why fewer couples get kids. Yeah, yeah. She also told me that she was asked what people could do um, to motivate women again to have ch um, to have children. And she said, well, make it easier for them to work again. <laughs> But that was something that um, many Japanese people couldn't imagine. Wow, that is also very appalling. Yeah, and also not only a few young men say, if you want to have sex with a girl, just get her drunk. That's so stupid. Yes. And I think a society that things like that it's also bad for the man i think because that brings sex to a, another level it's just an a, an act or i don't know <laughs> an achievement mm -hmm. but um it doesn't give you what sex can give you what this whole thing could give you it also puts uh, disbalances the whole uh, relationship uh, dynamics because um, yeah. that's that's also why uh, feminism is good for men because it it shatters all of these stereotypes so it also allows them to uh, show more uh, of the range of emotions and also show vulnerability that which is also very important in in a, in a relationship so yeah. Um, yeah i can i can totally agree that it's very it, sexism affects everybody and it's very uh, destructive Mm -hmm. And um, and as you said, well, uh, the the Scandinavians are are more advanced, and Europe is more advanced. But uh, what what you're telling me, or what Inger told you about Japan, I I can um, that sounds a lot like where I come from, like from Latin America. It's mm -hmm. it's also a lot like that there. Okay. Yeah. Is it also the case that? A lot of women have been abused by a man at least once in their life. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think uh, they, that's actually, um, I don't know if, if those are statistics worldwide, but at least there it's like one in four women. Mm -hmm. At least. So. Uh, that's way too much. <laughs> way too much. It's obviously way too much. And that's what has been. Um, That's been a topic with the whole uh, hashtag MeToo movement when that started. A lot of, of of people have just been empowered about that to to tell stories that nobody else, nobody dared to talk about before. So mm. it's I think it is kind of um, making people learn and listen. And some people are actually uh, just by listening to these stories, realizing that it's not okay to do stuff like that. So mm. the aggressors are also realizing, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that and stuff like that. Yeah, because sometimes you maybe don't realize yeah, it. Exactly. If you if you grew up in such a culture where it's just uh, it's just quote unquote normal and everybody does it and and mm. you you joke about that with your friends and nobody tells you, dude, that's not cool. Yeah. So it's like Inga said, um, this sexual assault is very common. Also that people. Uh, I don't know, talk like you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's normal to talk about it like exactly. that. Exactly. And that's and that's a point where I as a as a proud feminist <laughs> always say it's uh, we should also um pay attention to what we say and how we talk. Because a lot of that uh culture and rape culture, how we talk, that's how it mm. um yeah, that's how it's propagated. And yeah, especially in stupid jokes or something like that. Exactly. And some people just don't understand jokes or irony or cyn cynicism. Cynicism, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but these, um, especially these three things that I mentioned, um, how they treat animals, um, the trash problem, and um, that the 
women are not equal in Japan. I didn't expect that, mm -hmm. that it is so, um, so bad. Yeah. And yeah, that's why I don't really know anymore how to feel about Japan and figuring that out will be a long process, I think. Oh, are you a little bit disappointed? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it's also difficult for me that the feminist in me just shouts no, but the same voice tells me that I can just um, shut my eyes and go away. Mm -hmm. But also my um, weapons are very limited in doing something against that because they only speak so little Japanese. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So otherwise I could just um, go and make a Twitter account or something and tweet some some important things or some feminist things to to tell the girls you don't have to be cute. You can also have a nice uh, husband or an even nicer husband if you... Don't just attract him with how you look. <laughs> But I just can't <laughs> form these sentences in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But also, it doesn't yeah. have to be your fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but i that's also something that I have to figure out. <laughs> But anyway, it was a great trip. Um, even though I can't imagine anymore to move there for a period of time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but... Was it something you were thinking it really was, about? Um, not really thinking about, but if my boss would have told me, you go to Japan for a year, then I would have said, yes, okay, I do that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not sure anymore if I would do that, if he would give me this opportunity. Even so, okay. Yeah. Um, what did I want to say? <laughs> my thought just flew out of the window. <laughs> um. Yeah, but as a tourist, it is really cool. Mm -hmm. You can do a lot of funny things there. And as I said in the beginning, um, just go there and have a good time and play with all the technology that Japan has to offer. Um, when you are there, be a kind tourist. Be especially kind to every woman that you see. <laughs> and to the environment. <laughs> <laughs> to the environment, yes. Go there and be a role model. <laughs> environment and women will thank you for that um yeah when this episode is on air the interview with inga should be on our youtube channel in full length so go there and check that out um she also is uh, a comic artist so you can follow her on instagram at hoshifune um yeah she also does other great things um other artistic things that you that she tells me in the interview so listen to it and find out more about her and listen to her band <laughs> the number zero is a great band so much talent <laughs> <laughs> yes perfect that's it i think cool so our spotify playlist uh will be online as well with some uh, very cool uh band recommendations you brought back from tokyo too right Yes. And um, of course, the number zero. And as I mentioned, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But I knew them before. Mm -hmm. um, there is another band that's a, an all female band. It's called Bandmate. They are called Bandmate because they dress like mates. Mm -hmm. um, but they also play all of the instruments themselves. That's cool. If you like music, um, like. What was the name of the band? They have a female keyboard player who is also French with Lindsay Schoolcraft. Um, I will look it up <laughs> so that we can link it. But the Japanese band is called Yusei Teikoku. Mm -hmm. uh, but they are kind of weird. Um, <laughs> if you like that kind of stuff with also some symphonic parts, but also screams and so on, you should totally check them out. Um, if you like metalcore, then you should listen to Mildridge and Crystal Lake. Mm -hmm. And if you like some more experimental stuff, um, I would say it is the Japanese version of pagan metal because uh, they call themselves samurai wow. metal. Um, the band is called Heaven's Dust. Cool, that's amazing. Yeah, but I put most of them in my Spotify playlist. I wasn't able to find all of them. Um, yeah. 
Uh, the band I was thinking about is called Flash God Apocalypse. Wow, cool. Okay. And you say Teikoku is the Japanese answer to <laughs> Flash God Apocalypse. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode. And also thanks to Mercy Isle, who produced our awesome jingle, based on the song Storm from the album Undying Fire. Um, check out our our lottery with a, and then she came. Yes, our giveaway ticket we give away for Inventure Game on our Facebook page and everything else as always on Twitter at Metal High Heels, on Instagram at Metal and High Heels and uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to our podcast and also check out our merchandise store for some really cool t-shirts. I had a, a way cooler um, way to now talk about the merch <laughs> because um, the story behind the interview with Inga is that I just asked her if I can buy merch of her band somewhere in Tokyo. And then she said, uh, not yet, but um, I could send some to your hotel or we could meet and I could give you one <laughs> a t-shirt. Oh, and then nice. I said, okay, uh, when we meet, then we also should do an interview. <laughs> of course. And we also have merch. So check out our merch store. <laughs> yeah. And grab a cool t-shirt. And show your spirit. When you go to Japan, wear a metal and high heels spirit and be a role model. Yes. Mic drop. Perfect. <laughs> See you next time. Or hear you next time. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.